Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Mackie and Jeb with Rami. A so- buffet of butt sweat. <laughs> TCL is a proud sponsor of the Score North Studios. TCL, America's fastest growing TV brand. One, two, three. It's Mackie and Judd with Rami. With Rami. All right, welcome in. Mackie and Judd with Rami. Score North. Score North app. Judd on vacation, drinking in Still? and around New York City. Come on. Does that guy ever work? Judd grinds and drinks. I'm just kidding. Judd works Those are the, the two things Judd does. He doesn't even sleep. He's he probably, grinds. He's probably he working right now. He's probably working on an art on an article. The most Judd thing ever would be if he filed a Minnesota Wild column while on vacation in New York. Zolgad. Did he actually do that once? Oh yeah, he, he went did. to a game and then filed the yeah. column. Definitely a Zolgad thing, a Zolgadian thing for sure. So Mackie and Judd with Rami without Judd today. Sage Rosenfels will join us in about. 25, 30 minutes for some sage football wisdom. Uh, a prominent football writer thinks the Vikings should not re-sign Delvin Cook, and we'll get mm-hmm. to that later on in the show. But I say we start off with a little Twins hot stove Ooh. discussion, gentlemen. Is it hot? It's piping. Is it hot? Reckless speculation. Okay. This is piping. All right. I'm going to play you a soundbite here. Let me hear the soundbite. From our own Darren Doogie Wolfson. Okay. All right, Doogie was filling in for you because you were filling in for Collar yesterday. So this was on your show, Score North Live, yesterday. Doogie, who is doing some uh, digging on various Twins free agent targets, talking with people in the know, had this to say about Zach Wheeler. Okay, Zach Wheeler, one of the top free agent pitchers on the market. It goes Garrett Cole, probably then Madison Bumgarner, Zach Wheeler. What about Strasburg? He opted out. Strasburg, I, I guess I just think he's going to go back to the, to Washington. But okay. like Garrett Cole, Steven Strasburg, and then on that next level, guys who are definitely playoff rotation caliber guys, Madison Bumgarner, Zach Wheeler. Here's what Doogie said. Derek, I can tell you right now, today, November 20th, hump day, Wednesday, November 20th, the Twins can wrap up a deal with Zach Wheeler. It can be done today. Five years, $84 million. That's what he wants. Yes or no? You're Falvey, you're Levine. You can wrap up that deal today. You have to give up a draft pick, but it's what? Their third best pick? They're not giving up their first pick in the June draft. You end up losing the pool money, but that's the price of poker. Losing a draft pick in the pool money isn't that big of a deal, big picture, if you have a chance to sign a marquee free agent. So you can get Zach Wheeler done today. That's what he's looking for. Five years at about the qualifying offer. So five years at about seventeen million per, seventeen and a half million per. He's twenty nine. Are you in or out, Zach Wheeler? Right now, if you had to make a decision, hey, Zach Wheeler, right I'm now, in. I'm in. I'm in too. I am absolutely in, one hundred percent in. There will be no debate on this topic on this show. Zach Wheeler should be a twin if that's what it costs. Yeah. And think about this: like if I literally took out my phone and 
pulled up my calculator app and start, he he clarified at the end what it is per year. I was I didn't want to guess and yeah. do math on the radio because that's a bad idea. Sixteen point eight million per year for Zach Wheeler, dude. I'll take that. And right now, this is Give so when I see a guy, when I see a guy who throws between ninety six and a hundred miles an hour as a starting pitcher, mm-hmm. which is what Zach Wheeler does, and a guy who's been highly touted throughout his entire career, and it, his ERAs are kind of between three and a half and four. And like his strikeout numbers are fine. I I see a guy that only had like really two full seasons as a starter, where he had twenty nine and thirty one starts. Uh, he did have thirty two back in uh, twenty fourteen. Yeah, but a couple injury things in there. Yeah, I see a yeah. guy that can be unlocked. Get him out of the chaotic Mets organization where they're just like they're always battling with the media and firing people. Get him out of the chaotic. And organization. I think they have some biomechanics issues there, based on based on all the injuries that they have to their pitching staff. And this goes this goes way way back. Remember that pitching staff that they put together in like the early or mid two thousands? And I don't remember most of those guys' names the, the now. World Series one or no? They all flopped. They all got injured and flopped and 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 disappeared from from the baseball world altogether. Now you look at Syndergaard, you look at Wheeler. Like none of these guys can stay healthy, and i got to believe that when I see a trend or a pattern like that, I don't, I don't usually blame injuries on anybody. When I, when I see a trend or a pattern of the same position getting injured over and over and over again and never developing into what they should or could be, yeah. I start to think that there's there's something at the root of that, and it probably goes back to the team and their training staff and, in 2019, biomechanics. Yeah. Uh, I'm, I'm with you. I just think the Twins offer a lot more for pitchers as you've seen, I mean, even some of the guys who've gone to other organizations, like Nick Anderson, was in studio yesterday, mm-hmm. uh, hanging out on this on the same show on on Score Five, and the Twins. Nick Anderson never came and hung out with me, but okay, yeah, All he right. did mention that uh, he was hoping to run into you in the hallway. <laughs> really wanted to talk to you about how a roof yeah. really helped uh, the Rays organization. Yeah. He said going from Minnesota to Tampa, all the difference in the world was that roof. I bet you he prefers to play under a roof. <laughs> Probably does. Yes. But the twi- but people kind of forget like the twins the mistake the twins made was not keeping him on their forty man the twins mm-hmm. left him unprotected for the rule five draft and he got swiped away but the twins cultivated him and the twins have cultivated Ryan Presley only to go elsewhere and Taylor Rogers and Tyler Duffy imagine like you get some of these dudes like Zach Wheeler who've been highly touted and throw gas right as starting pitchers when I talk about realistic targets Zach Wheeler is at the top of my list. It's him and Bumgarner. Like, it'd be great to get Cole or Strasburg or to trade for a Cindergard, but on that tier where I go, this is realistic. This could really, really actually happen. It's Zach Wheeler and Bumgarner at the top. Now, yeah. if, if it's Wheeler, and I, and I think, I think Bumgarner is probably even, I want both slightly above. You want, could afford both. I want both or trade for somebody on that level. Like you've said before in John Gray. And that was going to be my next question, which is if it's, let's, let's say you pull the trail, let's say Doogie's right. It's five years, $84 million for Zach Wheeler. So right. 17 so million. So the ink is drawing on this thing. And you get Jose Barrios, Jacob Arizzi, and Zach Wheeler. And then you come to a fork in the road of do you keep going or do you reallocate your focus elsewhere? Bullpen, lineup, what other, what other things? I'm going for another pitcher still. I'm, I'm not, going, going I'm for not, John Graham. I'm signing another free. I want four. I'm I want not, four. not trying to improve my offense or my any of my position players. I agree with Derek, who he, I saw him crying in the hallway today that he's Monty Grandal signed with the White Sox. And sad day. Race. Sad yeah. day for Derek Wetmore. Yeah. Rest in but peace, Derek Wetmore's take. I, I agree with him in saying don't, don't be satisfied with anything that you see when you look around the diamond. If you see an opportunity for upgrade and it's at a realistic price, do it. I don't disagree with that, but absolutely pitching is first and foremost 
on my list, and it's not even close. And no, I'm not satisfied with getting back Odorizzi and bringing in a guy like a Zach Wheeler. There needs to be at least one more acquisition from the outside, whether that's another free agent or whether that's a trade like a John Gray. Yeah, it's also very likely. I know you don't want to think about this if you're a Twins fan or plan for this, but you should. How often does your entire three-man playoff rotation or four-man playoff rotation make it all the way through the year? Yeah, right. So, like, when Michael Pineda goes down, that's on you. That's your fault that Mm -hmm. you wound up with Randy Dobnak starting at Yankee Stadium in a playoff game, right? You know, you were so razor-thin with how many quality starting pitchers you had. If you go into next year with four legit, high-upside, playoff-caliber or playoff-rotation-caliber guys, then you can at least defend against one of them getting hurt and you going into a play. You know, the Indians went in the last year. I mean, hell, they lost Kluber for the year, basically. They lost Carrasco for They lost three Bauer months. for a stretch. And then they traded him. Then they traded him. Um, so just like that's if 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 you're if you're operating razor thin because you only have three guys, that that's your fault in my mind. Absolutely. Yeah. Um the other thing you mentioned, Yasmani Grandal going to the White Sox, and I think officially, I know the White Sox were a ninety loss team last year. They were actually seventy two and eighty nine. They played they played only one hundred and sixty one games, but the fact that they just signed Yasmani Grandal, who's one of the best catchers in baseball, and they've got this slew of great young pitching uh, guys who are coming off the disabled list, like Michael Kopich had Tommy John, he'll be back at some point, and this lineup of power hitters, I think it's a three-team division now. Last year, it was a two-team division going in. I, I think you know the Twins have a chance to improve their team, but the White Sox just stuck a flag in the ground, and they might not be done, too. So we just know it's a three-team race now. We haven't even seen their best prospect. Of, of that whole rebuild that they did when they traded all of their established major leaguers for whatever prospects they could get, yeah. and we've seen some good ones, come up for them in, in the last couple of years. But Luis Robert, by all indications, is the best of the bunch. And I was I I, I have some White Sox fans who I follow and follow me on Twitter. Um they were screaming last year that that guy is major league ready, should be on the south side of Chicago, and it was a uh a service time thing that they they didn't bring him up. That guy is a stud and according to a lot of people who know a lot about baseball, major league ready and the only reason we haven't seen him is money. Yeah. So they they adding Grundahl, adding that guy next year, and whatever else they do, that's a, that's an organization that's been trying to spend money, and people haven't been taking it for the last two off seasons. And Grundahl is the first to take it. And I don't think he'll be the last. Yeah, I think you know if you're if if you're looking at teams that are sort of where the Twins were last year, which is all right, losing team that's going to make a jump. The White Sox are tops on my list. I think so. I agree with and you. And they're in your division. And this is just. I've never been a poll ads or cheap guy. I've always just been a baseball economics or what they are guy, which is there's no cap. And that means that the, the markets, the brands, mostly local revenue. And so the biggest markets with the biggest TV deals with, uh, the most merchandise being sold spend more money at the poker table than mid to lower level teams. So I've always been at peace with the twins just aren't ever going to be a huge payroll team. And that's fine. But if there's one off season to stretch it ever, this is it. This is it. This is absolutely it. The average payroll. Opening day last year was $140 million. So you should, and that would be if the Twins went to $140 million opening day, that'd be the biggest opening day payroll they have. And there is really no excuse not to spend at least $140 million Agreed. on this team that can win 100%. the World Series. The cheap poll ad people, they'll have a point if they don't go out and spend the way that you're talking about them going out and spending. Mm-hmm. I We won't have a defense against that. We'll have to say, you know what? We're going to join it, actually. Looks like you're kind of right. Yeah. yeah, absolutely. We'll print the shirts. There's no reason to not spend money right now. I mean, they said it last year. I don't remember if it was Falvey or Levine when people were asking about Machado and Harper, and they said, look, we want to make sure 
we strike at the right time. Not only that we get the right guy, but that we strike at the right time when we know the window to compete is open. It's pretty clear that that window yeah. to compete is open after you just won 101 games in an AL Central Championship. Yeah. And I don't think that's... And I know that a lot of skeptical fans... And by the way, like you have a right to be skeptical, the Twins. Have, sure. The Twins have been a little splashy at times in the past. Same when thing they, with the Wolves. I get why people haven't bought in yet when it comes to the Wolves. I understand. There's a lot of hurt there. Yeah. There's a lot of betrayal. I mean, there was she an offseason... She Well, <laughs> for like 15 years. <laughs> She's been stepping out on you every night, and you walked in on it fifteen and, years, and you walked in on it a bunch of times. Yeah. And we're like, well, you just go, you go out to the living room and just watch TV, like, <laughs> just watch the Bucks. <laughs> but with the with 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 the Twins, I just feel like, what is the downside? Like, what if if you where I've been at in years past is. If the time's not right, you don't you don't want to compound the time not being right with also signing a bad contract, which is actually what they did like five years ago when they kind of tried to fix a non-playoff team without a great infrastructure by saying, all right, screw it. Let's go spend $100 million on Ricky Nolasco and Irvin Santana and give Phil Hughes an unnecessary three-year contract extension, right? Like those are, you don't want to be doing that. That didn't work out. But I think you're in a spot now where... You don't cripple the franchise if you go an extra two years on a guy. Like if you, if if let's say for Zach Wheeler, it's a five year contract and it has to be a five year contract, and he's only good for three years. That's fine, yeah. Because the next three years, you can win a World Series. You so have you to shouldn't count, be worried about you, you the last, especially years. with a pitcher. You're almost counting on that. You're almost count when you sign him to a four plus year contract. You're not expecting four great years. Mm-hmm. Because the human body isn't made to do what these guys do, and it's probably going to break down at some point in that contract. If not break down to the point of injury, break down to the point of not being as effective. At some point in that contract, that's probably going to happen. That's why, as a Cubs fan, I wasn't freaking out after one bad year of you, you Darvish. It's a six-year deal. I expected at least one bad year of you Darvish. was hoping it was at the back end of it, sure. and they could win this year or in the first year of his deal. But I, I, didn't, add, I didn't by any means say... Failed signing, terrible signing, bad contract. No, that's not how this thing works. Yeah, that's just not how this works. Uh, the winter meetings are in two in two weeks now too, and it's it is encouraging. I mean, even if whether it's for the Twins or just for the health of baseball, it is fun when things actually happen early on around Thanksgiving and uh, and we've just had nothing the last couple of years. But we've had the Will Smith contract was a huge. That's one of the best relievers off the board. The fact that the best catcher. On the board, just signed a four-year, seventy-three million-dollar contract. Do you, you think, think I was just we're about to ask, ask you, the same question? Do you think this is leading to an actually exciting off-season in Major League Baseball? An th- actually hot hot stove? I think it. I think it will for almost all of the non-Scott Boris clients, and unfortunately, Boris represents Garrett Cole and Steven Strasburg. Right? Doesn't he represent both? I believe, and so, I think yeah. he represents another one of the top guys. Like Scott Boris is still walking around with phone book-sized. Print out uh, hype books for his clients. In fact, we were talking to uh, we were talking to Derek Falvey like a year or two ago. We did a sit down with Derek Falvey, and we hope to do that again sometime. Uh, maybe even before the winter meetings, just just sit down and t- tell some stories and stuff. And I, and I said, "All right, does does Scott Boris really bring in the massive binders like the profile of his players? Yeah, he doesn't he does. just bring in a tablet oh, anymore. No, he does. Like now, he brings in the binder." 
If, it, if it's me, I'm sliding the tablet across. And does you can he just think scroll that's? A, does he still think that's impressive? Because I'm sure he that must. was impressive at one time. Like, look at all the research Prince I did. Fielder. Boom. Look how many forests I killed. <laughs> you hear that and thing I can just hit put the table? It it's just like, <laughs> look at that. You want to know how many bombs my client's gonna hit? This man, <laughs> <laughs> right here. <laughs> does he does he not realize that that is not at all impressive? People actually look at that and snicker and go, "You're still." Uh, they get still irritated because they have to put binders, that somewhere. Huh? Like, we're all about analytics, and you're all about a phone book. You want me to, so... fl- you want me to flip through this? Is that what you want? <laughs> I'd push that thing right, right back across the table and be like, no thanks, man. But the problem with the new footrest. And the problem with guys this. like Boris, and this is, what, this is what sucks for baseball fans the, the last couple of years, there's no end to the negotiation. There just isn't. Like, teams are offering Bryce Harper last, last winter – We'll give you ten years and two hundred fifty million dollars, and he's like, "I want 11. <laughs> All right, uh, I guess we'll give you eleven. I don't know. Someone's offering thirteen. Like, there's just—it's not like in basketball where there's just a max. You get five. You get right. five years, right. and then you even get a, a capped amount of money in those years. I mean, if I'm Scott Boris, that's how I'd operate. Why take this offer? Twenty what, years. What is the incentive for me to take this offer? It'll be there if this is the best offer that you're gonna that you're gonna give me today. It'll be there in, in February. It might even be there still in March. You know what I mean? Or June, or if a, you're Craig Kimbrell. Or a better one could come along between now and then. If there, if there is no deadline and there is no max contract, what is the incentive if I'm the agent of a big-ticket player to sign a contract in November or December or even January? I mean, there I is the, adv- the advantage would be just getting to spring training on time so you don't get shelled in April. Okay. And Craig Kimbrell got smoked this year. February 15th. Training camp, spring training starts March first. Yeah. Let's go. So if you're the Twins, I think you just if if there's a like Doogie said off the top of the show with that soundbite, if there's a five year and eighty four million dollar, hey, this is it. If you want Zach Wheeler, all you have to do is just write the check. I think there's even value in just making sure that you get you get a horse in the stable. I, I'd like some clarification. On. I know you're you're not Doogie. You're Phil Mackey. Um, uh, him and I. Uh, if he. <laughs> I'm not pretty close. I sometimes mistake you guys for each other. If he's listening, Doogie, please call in because I would like some clarification by what he means when he says they could have a deal done today. Does that mean Wheeler would accept that offer? Does that mean that the Twins would agree to those terms, but they're waiting to hear from Wheeler? Or is he saying that the two are talking and this could come down any minute now? Because the way he worded it, it to me, it could be any one of those three possibilities. So in talking to Dugs. I I know he's reporting that the two sides are talking. Okay. So there's a conversation. All right. And I and I glean what he's saying is Wheeler's camp would accept will this. immediately accept right now, a five year eighty four million dollar deal. Okay. Mm-hmm. All right. And if that's the case, like how how often is it that you know for a fact this dude who's a who's a playoff rotation caliber guy will sign for something pretty damn reasonable? And the worst case is. I don't know. You got a guy for under twenty million dollars. He's not even going to be one of the ten highest paid pitchers in baseball. Sure, and he's not even going to be thirty five years old when the deal expires. Like it's just there's not a lot of downside to it. Yeah, so, no, I'd do it if, if his if his camp is saying this is what we want. If I'm the Twins, I push that contract across the table and say sign on the dotted line today, yeah. right now. And Scott Boris takes his book and slides it back at you, <laughs> even though he's not even Zach Wheeler's agent. I'm like, like, thanks for the kindling and throw it in the fireplace. That's what I do with that binder. Uh, did you see the other thing that happened last night? What some, was that? Uh, Danny and I were talking about this before the show. Some mm-hmm. great news for the Wolves. Did you see the great night the Wolves had last night? I did. I mean, I watched the basketball game. What was so great about it? They lost. Yeah, you're only looking at the score. Oh. 
Andrew Wiggins had the worst game of the season so far. Okay. Andrew Wiggins was a disaster last night. I'm waiting night. for the positive. You indicated you had something positive. And his disaster was still 22 points, 7 rebounds, 3 assists, and 42% from the field. Okay. Andrew Wiggins had a disaster of a night last night. And his floor is still 22 points, 7 rebounds, 3 assists, and 42% shooting. That's his floor up until now. And I'm, I've, That's I've, his new I've, floor. I've bought, I've, bought in, I've bought in on Andrew Wiggins. I'm not, I'm not here to fight you. I'm not here to fight you. I, I didn't write that down last week. I said he's going to start in the All-Star game. His new floor is the penthouse. Stop it. But I'm not ready to say that that All is... All the way up. I'm Come not on. ready to say that that is the floor. There might be a lower floor. He went one for ten from three. There might point be a parking garage night. in this thing somewhere that we have that we haven't found <laughs> not yet. Anymore, not the new Wiggins. He went okay from from three point range and free throw. He went two for thirteen last night. Two for thirteen, and he got into early foul trouble too. So yeah, early man, foul trouble. And two of thirteen got into some early foul trouble. What 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 was going on there? Well, it's been a thing for Cat his whole career. Andrew Wiggins has never. But some been, of those calls last night. I agreed with him. Like there have been times in the past where I'm like, dude, just shut up. That was that was a foul or at least at worst a questionable call. It's not like you were blatantly uh miscalled there. Last night he had at least two fouls where I was like, "Really? That's a foul?" Sure. That's a foul on one of the 10 best players in this league. I would say this though. It's been a thing for Carl Anthony Towns. Like that dude runs into foul trouble all the time. It's not a thing for Wiggins to run into foul trouble cuz he's never been aggressive enough or assertive enough to like foul somebody. Right. Uh, I mean, even last year, I just pulled up his game log last year. He played uh, most of the season. Andrew Wiggins only got to five fouls three times all year last year. He only got to four fouls like five other times because he's never he's never active enough or close enough to you know people who are making plays. To, but now, so I, I actually I, this is going to sound ridiculous, but I actually don't mind if he's if he's committing fouls because he's just a little bit more aggressive. But if like if on a night where he's two for thirteen from three and the free throw line, and he gets into early foul trouble. If that's the worst of it for Wiggins, I think we've turned a little. Oh, if that's here. if that is the worst of it, hell yeah, that's that's great. You'll take that all day. I'm just not ready to definitively say that that is the worst. That's the floor. That's the ground floor for Andrew Wiggins. Okay, are you like how much are you in on Wiggins? I would say eighty percent. Still need a little bit of convincing that what we're seeing is real, but eighty percent. I mean, there's a feature. Did I see it? Was it Zach Lowe? Somebody from the Athletic today wrote there's there's a big it's either on the Ringer or the Athletic some prominent basketball site today doing a great job of citing this wrote like the the definitive the Wolves have unlocked Andrew Wiggins and here's how, not not only like the Wolves have unlocked Andrew Wiggins but the here's how they unlocked Andrew Wiggins Who wrote this article I'll find this okay during the show at some point all right but you've got like credible national publication you got Tracy McGrady mm-hmm. he was uh, in he's all in and I just don't know like I think. I think by now you would have seen the old Andrew Wiggins by now would have given you a classic 4 of 15. <laughs> classic Wiggy game. Dude, like, let's just go back to last year, okay? Here's Andrew Wiggins last year. How long did it take for the classic Wiggy game last year? Okay, they started off the season, and uh, all right, he's 8 of 18, 20 points. He's, he's off to a good start. He's engaged. It literally took eight games, eight games for him to put up a 4 of 16 performance uh, 13 points on 16 shots. Boom. First week in November last year. Like every year. There he, he starts is. off, he's engaged, There's he's interested. And then eight games in, he's like, uh, I'm just going to chuck 16 shots from just inside the three-point line. And we haven't seen that yet. So I'm just saying, last night 
was a great night it. for the Wolves. I get it. Not because they lost, but because Andrew Wiggins put up a clunker, and it was still a very serviceable performance, baby. Get on the bandwagon now. I hope that's the Buy floor. Buy that stock. I'm not ready to definitively say that is the floor. Not ready to go there yet. Right. I still need some selling on Andrew Wiggins. Not as much as many, not as much as a lot of people, but I still need some selling on Andrew Wiggins. And that what we've seen is for real. And he's going to keep doing this. What will uh, what will your line be? Like where what line will he cross where you're like, "Yep, okay. Half a season? Okay. 40 games or so? Somewhere around there? Maybe even a full season." It's kind of a feel thing. Judd is on the, you know on the 82 you know. games, and I said, what, what about 70 games? He's like, nope, need 82. <laughs> you know when you know. It's like you, you proposed recently to your fiancé. You just know when you know. We actually just had a discussion. It was yeah. a mutual agreement. Really? Let's That's how that married. worked? There was no proposal? Just a mutual agreement. Never dropped to one knee. I don't. She never wanted that. Nothing romantic. I mean, a lot of romantic things. I'm but Mr. Romantic. The proposal, okay. the, oh. the agreement of marriage. Was there anything romantic about it? Um, not the specific like let's officially go and we went and, we went and bought rings one day. Okay, we just for like bouncing around and went and bought rings one day. All right, that's great. So, uh, so this sounds like it just happened. It, like there was no, there wasn't even. Like, you want to go get wedding rings? Sure, let's go. Yeah, like you're just going grocery shopping. Yeah, when you're when you're together for like seven years, it's just, it's just like the. You know, I think people get surprised when, oh my God, we've only been dating for seven months and I'm, this guy's down on a knee. <laughs> and I'm at a Twins game in the third deck and he's wearing a Booth Bonzer A's jersey. What? That's Oddly when it's surprising. Yeah, this is really running really into this scenario. I saw that happen <laughs> once happened? at Target Field, yeah. Wow. <laughs> saw that happen at Target Field. Wow. Booth Bonzer. By the way, Jonathan, she, she wasn't happy. He tried long? to jam the ring on her finger with her on camera. It was bad. How long were you with your uh, your wife before you you'd popped the question? Oh God! I hope she's not listening. I don't remember. Jeez, year and a half, two years, I think. Did you did you do the whole drop to a knee thing? Or I did, but it wasn't anything romantic. I mean, that's still pretty romantic. We had talked about it's if customary. we were gonna if we thought our relationship was marriage worthy, and we decided, yeah, yeah. Here, here's my thought okay. on this. Okay, if you're like shocking someone with the question, <laughs> you shouldn't be asking. You probably yeah. shouldn't be asking the <laughs> you question. You should know. <laughs> You should you're, definitely know. You're literally agreeing to be together until you're 90 years old if life takes you that far. Fair point. You should have some logical, thought-out discussions about it. Fair point. You know? Fair. You Fair might enough. even want to go through some things together. I don't, I'm not telling people how to live their life. I'm sure. just saying, like, if she's like, oh my, what? You're proposing? You probably haven't had enough okay. discussions. Just saying. Right. There's probably a correlation. Well, talk about it first. Is this advice for me? It doesn't ruin the moment. You can still, you can still propose. It just... My only no. advice to you is don't be in the third deck of a baseball stadium with <laughs> wearing a, a Booth Bonzer, Bonzer jersey. jersey. Yeah. Yeah. Got you. It wasn't even a jersey. It was a jersey. Come on, dude. Yeah, wear a jersey. Not Have a some jersey. class. And I'm not I'm not sure if Federated provides insurance for bad proposals, but what about they, for wedding rings? Did you see this? I hate these people. <laughs> Two surfers, they met out, out on the water, and that's where they fell in love, and blah, blah, blah. And uh, he proposed to her while they were both on surfboards. And dropped his ring to the bottom of the ocean. He deserves Dude. it. Yeah, you definitely 100% deserve it. One hundred percent deserves it. You knew the risk, and then he deserves a shark attack. Yeah, you knew the risk. Come I hope on. he had insurance on it. He uh, federated. I don't know if federated protects that type of uh, situation, but they protect a lot of other situations. Federated has been around in Owatonna, Minnesota, helping business owners for over a hundred years. And uh, I think if you're if you're if you're in a situation where where you're taking on some risk and you're in some deep waters like surfer guy, 
That's where Federated gives you peace of mind. Federated stands behind you, face-to-face relationship, not just a paper policy. These are both super good-looking people, too. Can you like pull up the picture? You just hate to see it. Yeah. <laughs> just hate to see it, man. If uh, if the ring that belongs really to your business, couples. if the ring that belongs to your business is floating to the bottom of the ocean, you want a company like Federated standing behind you. Federatedinsurance.com is where you can find your Federated marketing representative Look and a full idiots. list of industries that Federated protects. Look at these morons! And there it is. Yeah, uh, let's see. Did he on. swim down to try and get it? Hell no, man. I that thing is gone forever. Fe- Federated will do a lot of things for you. They ain't swim <laughs> to the bottom of the, the ocean. Bottom of the ocean. It's shark-infested oceans, but they'll do a lot for you. Federated this is the proposal in action here, Jonathan. See that? Yeah, they do that. See that, that. dummy? Come on. When we come back, Sage Football Wisdom on Mackie and Judd with Rami. Sage Rosenfels joins us. Jonathan here with the Score North download. You can listen to Score North with Amazon Alexa. Just say, Alexa, open Score North, and you'll hear the soothing sounds of Purple Daily, Mackie and Judd with Rami, and much, much more. Just say, Alexa, open Score North. Stefan Diggs was on Good Morning Football this morning, and when asked about the prospects of going into the bye week at halftime when they were down 20 to nothing, his, here's what he said about his thoughts. It, it was rough because for us, uh, definitely at one point you're thinking, like, no, we can't go into the no. bye week with a loss. And, right. And it's mm. like, in your mind, you're like, this. nah. Last year we had a loss to Buffalo, and it was like, things weren't, things weren't going right so far. I still go out there and win. It just meant a lot at the right time, and now we're in the box. That's been your scoring on download. Now back to Mackie and Judd with Rami. All right, Mackie and Judd with Rami, Score North and the Score North app. And every Thursday, we sit down for a little sage football wisdom with our friend Sage Rosenfels, former Viking quarterback, played in the NFL for over a decade. And Sage, I got a whole hour of sage football wisdom I was just yesterday. Say, I, I and Rami already burned the whole. Uh, I know. I don't know if I have any questions. Can I just ask you life questions and forget the football on this one? Well, well, real quick, I just want to say, yesterday I went on with Rami. Uh, I don't. What's Collar doing? What's he up to? Well, so so Judd and Collar both took some bi week time off. Judd's in New York with the wife exploring around drinking we figure collars probably at home watching mid-90s youtube videos of like the bears and the Packers. i saw him i saw him retweet this morning a uh a video breakdown of steve bono's 76 yard touchdown (laughs) run i'm not even kidding i'm not even kidding i saw him retweet that and marvel at it this morning well it's uh, i i love doing the show with collar monday and wednesdays and uh it was nice to have you fill in uh, yesterday we had a great time. It was it was a different show. I mean, you know, Matt gets so much into um, the stats and the information, and he he does grind on the film. He is really really gets into it, and uh, we we have a good time though. But that, that obviously a different show yesterday, and, and you guys nerd. are different you're, on Thursday as saying, well. So it's nice saying, that I get to it's nice I get to go with different people and not like the same partner for five days. I I don't I don't think I could do five days a week with Collar. Like you're, five you're, days. You're football polygamous is what you are. <laughs> Something, yeah. I'm, jur- I'm, jur- I'm a journeyman uh, radio show <laughs> analyst, I guess. I don't know. Yeah. So Football analyst. So next week, uh, w- next Thursday, we're all going to be uh, stuffing our faces, and we're all, we're all going to be off because next Thursday is Thanksgiving. So we figure let's get a week head start. I want to ask you, what are you, Sage Rosenfels, most thankful for in the NFL in 2019? In the NFL, who am I most thankful for? Who, who, I think... or, who or what in the NFL? Oh, okay. Um, I think uh, Lamar Jackson having this much success. I am very thankful for that. 
there are a lot of ways to play the quarterback position, and sometimes it's throwing the ball for a ton of yards, and sometimes it's a unique way to run the football and, and some sort of combination of both. And Lamar Jackson has is becoming a better thrower, still not perfect, uh, but he is such an amazing runner. And there are athletes like that out there that people have bypassed, that colleges have bypassed because they don't fit their you know system of what they know as you know these coaches as quarterbacks who are more throwers and less runners. And uh, but I believe he has sort of changed what maybe the future could be for not just colleges. Um, but, you know, the high schools, that's how the high schools play, is the best athlete plays quarterback. But maybe in the NFL, there is this spot for the Greg Roman-type coordinators to design all these run schemes uh, slash throwing schemes that, you know, take advantage of a guy with that type of skill set. I am thankful for, for Lamar Jackson. And I've, I've heard people say in that, Sage, that he may re- revolutionize the, the quarterback position or, or the way that people and coaches look at the quarterback position. But haven't we seen this before? I mean, you had Randall Cunningham, you had Michael Vick, you had Steve Young. Young, the, the, the quarterback who's willing to take off and run and can break off huge plays with his feet, they've come and gone, and it, and it, it just doesn't, it doesn't catch on. It doesn't become a trend well, in the NFL. Well, for a couple of reasons. One, I don't know how long Lamar Jackson can do, can do this. Like, can he do this for 10 years? Probably not. Could he do it pretty well for six years or seven years, and maybe one or two of those years he gets injured for half the season? But he is such a special athlete, he can do it for a while, but not as long, you know, as long term. So, um, I don't know. I, I just think that there's this, there's, it's, it's nice to see this different brand of football, I guess is what I'm trying to say. And, and I think there's, you know, I always, people always over, uh, um, complicate everything sometimes like with Kyle like we're getting these deep stats and I'm just sort of going off of what I feel and he's getting into the stats which is great and it's, it's what most media have to go off of but you know there's just something about uh you know finding different ways to win and uh it's it's nice to you know there's not just one way to win in football and I think Lamar Jackson you know will add that for a certain amount of time the Michael Vick offense the problem with that was he was an approach he was in a west coast offense he was like in a Kirk Cousins offense, and he wasn't that type of athlete. They actually didn't make use of Michael Vick's skills nearly well enough. Uh, he probably would have been great in this offense uh, you know. there. So I do believe this will work. I don't know for how long. I think what's kind of funny is you get you, – you, you, we always put qualifiers on mobile quarterbacks, and like we, we've, we kind of did it just in this last few minutes too of like, well, how long can – you know, can Lamar Jackson is he still going to be doing it in ten years? And and while that is a legitimate question, can you can you run the ball ten to fifteen times a game and avoid injury for ten years? The way I would look at it is right now in this moment, but maybe the Baltimore not. Ravens let's, are the best team in the NFL because of Lamar let's Jackson. Think about this. Maybe it's for four years, and that's fine. Maybe it's for the next four years, and they give him not a huge contract, and this starts to change the way we think about the quarterback position. And you draft other guys in that spot, and if he gets hurt, okay, now we have another guy not as good as Lamar Jackson, but he has that skill set, and we're going to run a different offense that defenses really struggle uh, uh, you know, to defend. And you know, at the end of the day, football is interesting. At, at the kid level, a lot of times the best athlete plays quarterback and running back. And a lot of times it's just quarterback, and sometimes it's some offense where the, you know, the coach has it where the quarterback runs all the time and whatever. That can't. It's a great way to win football games. You sort of add an extra player when you put it as his responsibility as the best player on the field, best player in that offense, best athlete on that offense. And uh, you know, Lamar Jackson is just an amazing athlete, and uh, I think it is different than the Michael Vick situation because of the different offense. So you're saying 
we may see NFL teams start treating quarterbacks like running backs in terms of the window of their peak play and and how much you pay them? Well, you know, let's have the Ravens play the Vikings. And let's go basically the opposite of the spectrum. Sort of pure pocket passer, not a great athlete, uh, very accurate, uh, seems to read coverages really well, you know, those types of things. They are sort of on the opposite end of the spectrum. Um, and, you know, the Vikings don't have a playmaking quarterback. So, yeah, you know, you have those two teams play each other ten times, and, you know, let me know which one wins more games. Yeah, I mean, it's very likely that, Kirk Cousins could still be quarterbacking when he's 38 years old, and Lamar Jackson will have torn his ACL five years into it. But during the five years in which I, I would look at it this way, if if I know I'm going to get four or five years, or it's likely I'm going to get four or five years of mobile and cannon arm Lamar Jackson, I'm much more likely to win a Super Bowl than at least 28 other teams. And I'd rather roll those dice than, oh, well, i got a guy that's just like less likely to get catastrophically hurt and I might have him for ten or twelve years, you know. Like, give me the upside. Is yeah, what I'm saying. I, I think I think you have to have a special guy. And my guess is the Ravens. Uh, you know, I don't know if they realized he was this good a runner, and maybe they thought he was a better throw. I don't. I don't know. But I would imagine when they drafted him, they create a plan of how we're going to have a, a different offensive coordinator, which is what they got. That good, you know, capitalize on those skills. But you ha- they have to be a special, special player. And again. You know, chances are it's not going to last, you know, for for a long time. So you got to be a good throw in this league either way. Um, you know, Russell Wilson, I think, is that magic. He's not as good as a runner. He's also thicker, so I think he'll he'll last a long a long time. I mean, I think he'll play for at least fifteen years. I I, I really believe maybe longer. Um, but he is a great thrower. I mean, he is the best deep ball thrower in the NFL. So. That's what Lamar Jackson isn't. So that's the sort of give and take I, I really think and w- what the Vikings are going to get themselves into here. And we're lucky you're not playing with my, uh, the, uh, the, the wide receiver, Tyler Lockett. But uh, I think Russell Wilson, to me, is like everything I'd want uh, in an NFL quarterback. I actually love that size. I like that sort of 5'10 to 6'1 size. I, you know, I was a 6'4". I got recruited because I was 6'4". I probably got drafted because I was I was 6'4 and I had an arm. But... It seems like a lot of great players are like six two on down. We gave uh, you this you know, show because you're six four. That's the I only mean, reason you're here, yeah. Sage. Yeah, I know Tom Brady's the greatest of all time, and you know Elway, and and you know just some some great ones. Uh, Peyton Manning was super six five, six six, or whatever. But man, there are some electric players who are in that six foot mark. I love watching Breeze play, and Aaron Rodgers six uh, two, Favre was six two, uh, and you know Russell Wilson's five ten. Doug Flutie was a heck of a lot of fun to watch. Um, and, uh, and and he could run around a little bit. And he was really short, so I like those fun guys uh, because they're you know I said that I, I like the excitement, but the ability to just execute that really is something. I mean, that's why you practice. That's why you do all these things. That's why you you study the film and get in the details. Is that execution side of football, which isn't just you know quarterback be a great athlete and, and the whole throwing game. And that's where I think Stefanski and and Kubiak and those guys have done a great job. Is the MVP race Russell Wilson and Lamar Jackson? Because earlier this week, Peter Schrager on NFL Network, he said Kirk Cousins should be in the MVP discussion. Mackie and Judd, they jumped on that bandwagon and said, yeah, he should I hate be. The MV- I hate the MVP discussion. <laughs> I do. Why is I that? I do. Why? Well, two years ago, who is the MVP right now? Carson Wentz. It was like a no-brainer. Oh, my God, Carson Wentz. Carson Wentz. It was all over the place. He tears the ACL like week 11. Right? So, like, I just sort of, like, let's just wait until, like, the last two or three weeks of the season to really, really dive into it. But then what would guys who do what we do for a living do? I don't know, you know. We need something to talk about. Also, the the, the gray area and the blurred line of in the the conversation. So, who's okay, remind me, who's the the Dolphins head coach again? Remind me. Uh, 
Like, uh, his name oh, is Flores? Me. Uh, Flores. Flores, right? Flores, right? Yeah. So I'm watching Get Up this morning, and uh, they have a segment called uh, Said Nobody Ever. So it's it's sort of like <laughs> say something that you believe that no one else is saying. Right. And uh, Dominic Foxworth said, I think Brian Flores should be in the discussion for NFL head coach of the year. If they win four or five games, I'm serious. <laughs> and like. so so and so they got to the end and like everyone's like, dude, he's not the coach of the year. And he said, No, 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 no. I'm not saying he's the coach of the year. I'm saying he's in, in the, the discussion. discussion. Yes. Yes. And, th- and that's that's what I tried to clarify with these guys. Like if we're saying top five is the discussion, okay, maybe Kirk Cousins sneaks into that. But the only real discussion at this point, and you're right, it's kind of a stupid discussion, Sage. But the only real discussion at this point is Russell Wilson or Lamar Jackson. If you were gonna hand it out today, that's the discussion. Uh. And that's it. Um, well, I don't know. I, I'd like to see. I'd like to see Russell Wilson play against the Vikings. Ooh. That would get a much better feel than Russell. I, you know, we watch the Vikings so much. I want to see how he played against our team. I got to see Dak Prescott play against the Vikings. Played pretty well. I was impressed. And uh, you know, if they finish, they win some games down the stretch here. I think Dak Prescott's had a heck of a season. So, you know, I, again, I just think it's too early. I'm looking forward to Russell Wilson playing against the Vikings. And after that, I'm happy to have this discussion with I you. I mean, you, you bring up the Seattle game, and uh, obviously the Vikings have a bye week, so it's a, we have to wait a week and a half for this game. But this game, when you looked at the schedule before the season, you kind of circled that game and said, boy, that's kind of a gatekeeper game there. First game in December, it's a road game, it's Monday night, and, you know, who knows? Ideally, the Vikings and the Seahawks are both going to be in the playoff mix, and it is, it's going to be on paper, say, Rosenfels everything that we wanted in terms of a litmus test, a test for Kirk Cousins, uh, and just sort of to see, are you at the top of the NFC along with some of those other teams, or are you more uh, fighting for a wild card spot? Yeah, it's it's going to be it's right there, and, and you know they're that half game behind the Packers, and uh, you know they really can't afford you know maybe another loss. You know Green Bay is going to have a, a couple tough ones down the stretch as well. So uh, you'd like to have that buy. Uh, it is really nice to win your division and possibly have the buy. I don't know if the Vikings be able to do that this year, uh, but you, who knows? Right, right, right down the stretch, if they play really, if they play the way they played last week uh, in the second half. I can see them, you know, having a chance to get a bye. But if uh, if they play, they play the first half. I'm, I'm concerned they may not make the playoffs. I mean, who knows? That first half was was scary last week. So it's a big game for both teams. And and I was I think both teams will be in the playoffs. I think both teams will at some point might see each other in the playoffs. This might be you know round one of round two. Uh, so you know, obviously, big game uh, on Sunday. Sage, when you look at the NFC. Do- do you get the sense that it's a really good conference or a really bad conference? Because I see a lot of people going, whoa, eight teams with eight or more wins, or excuse me, six teams with eight or more wins. There's nine teams that are 500 or below in that conference. Is this just okay teams beating up on really bad teams and, and racking up good records? Well, so when I try to go, I don't know, the, the strength, I don't really, these are things I don't think about like you guys do. The strength of the NFC versus the AFC. Um, well, I will say this, uh, you know, I thought Kansas City would be better. Mm-hmm. You know, you know, but they got four losses. Uh, I looked at them as like, going to be a rematch with uh, the the uh, the Patriots, and you know, I, I'm I'm not thinking that now. Uh, they don't they don't have much of a defense. Um, but uh, you know, I the Packers are good. The Packers are a really good football team. Uh, San Francisco is a good football team. Seattle is a really good. These are good football teams. I think the Cowboys are a really good football team. Um, but you know the, the the NFC East is down this year. Uh, Philly is not as strong as you thought. The Giants stink, and and uh, you know so there's there's some you know not great football out there. But I you know I I think 
D- Detroit's a pretty good football team, especially when Matthew Stafford is not uh, is, is healthy. They're a good team, yet they have a bad record. So I think the NFC is strong this year, and I think the NFC North is actually, uh, you know, I think the Bears are the the, the worst team in the in the in the, uh, the, the division, yeah. which is scary because the Vikings lost to the Bears in a game they should not have have lost. And so, uh, you know, we'll, we'll see how this thing pans out. What do we got? Six weeks left. Is that right? Mm-hmm. Five five weeks left. Well, yeah. five games left. Yeah, five games left. Yeah, so it uh, should be interesting down the stretch. December is such a a great month. I, I feel like you know what I'm thankful for. I'm thankful for December, yes. which is coming up, <laughs> because I love December. You know, it, it gets cold, and, and the, these games are awesome to watch, and and uh, you're getting ready for you know the, the holidays and your travel plans and where you're going and what can you do and you know uh, the Christmas break for the kids. So I'm thankful for December. For what are you guys thankful for over there? I mean, football, football, and football are my top three, anyways. I could keep going down my top five. It also includes football and football this time of year. You know, we get the benefit of the Gophers being relevant and the Vikings this late in a calendar year for the first time in like 60 years. So and my Cyclones, my Cyclones. Uh Coming off a huge win, brought my son to the game the other yeah. day. That was fantastic against Texas. You know, Texas isn't great. They're not, you know, they're not like an Oklahoma, Ohio State, or something. But the brand is, and so it's really fun to beat. It's like it's like <laughs> well, Minnesota, wait, wait, Michigan. Wait, wait, I mean, it's a good, it's a big win for Iowa State. But you just touted. I know they're not good anymore, but we beat the brand. <laughs> well, listen, okay, hold, hold on. A let, let, let's just say, let's just say we Michigan. Beat Nebraska. Is, hold on, let's say Michigan is five and four, and you guys beat Michigan. That feels really good. It feels right. There's good, there's yeah. something extra special about beating one of those sort of national powers. It's not quite at the, at the top tier. There's a few but, of those sort of fraudulent, like Michigan's kind of become more of a fraudulent brand. Nebraska's been a fraudulent brand. Say it. All right. I say will. it. Navy is a fraudulent brand. That's not Robbie. what I was talking about. He wants, me to, he wants me to say Notre Dame. Notre Dame is a fraudulent brand. So it's the so, most fraudulent of brands. So say Notre my, Dame my, always starts the season like in the top six and yeah. then just slowly funnels its way down. Thank it you. Like, or something you guys like are so that, mean. Yeah. So my grandfather like played, the shiny for, helmets. Played, for, played for Newt Rockney, and so I've always been a huge Notre Dame fan. But I can acknowledge they do start the season higher up because they have gold helmets. Newt Rockney ain't walking through that door, Phil Mackey. <laughs> no, I, like that Penn, I like that Penn State is back in the mix. And they got a good football team, and that was listen. That was a legit win. That was like against a, a story program and a legit win. So it is nice having uh, you know football good and in the hunt for both college and pro. And I said, we, you know, for for myself, I got the Cyclones, and it's nice that the Bears stink. I love listening to Bears. Actually, that's a great segue here, poorly. Rami. Uh, you can leave the room here. I have a, I have a question. I, already, I went through this with him yesterday. You can go back <laughs> and listen to it on the Score North mobile app or <laughs> scorenorth.com. We did this. So here's my you don't have to do this. Here's my question because, like, you know, yesterday. Uh, People the, don't like us talking about all this Chicago stuff. Haven't you seen Twitter, Phil? Well, this is my question's not Chicago specific. <laughs> okay. Can I, I do can see I ask people you guys shredding Rami for this? Can I ask you guys a question? <laughs> yes. Yes. All right. Let's just say that let's just say that uh, they get rid of Trubisky next year. All right. Oh, I have and a list. The Vikings can bring in him for two million dollars as the backup. Okay. Let's just let's just throw that out there. A very uh, the opposite style of quarterback. Of Kirk Cousins, he's not going to be as accurate down the field, yada yada. Or he's not going to be, but a guy that could. Kirk Cousins has thrown seven touchdown passes, like on rolls to his left. Are or you something are like you that. asking Are you asking about Trubisky as a backup or an eventual as, successor? No, well, to as Kirk a Cousins. backup because I I think he sort of has this. He is in the worst offense for Thank his you. capabilities, like the worst, like. Draw up the worst offense for that quarterback who's just sort of a raw talent and, like, make him be this everything from the pocket and quick decisions and spreading it out and no help with your tackles and no run game and no bootlegs. Like, 
It's the stupidest thing. I mean, I can... honestly, to answer your question, if I could answer on behalf of Vikings fans, the best case scenario would be that, that Mitch Trubisky sticks around Chicago for at least another year or two as a backup quarterback to an injury-prone starter like Cam Newton. Cam Newton gets hurt after three weeks again, and then Mitch Trubisky's just the starter in Chicago. They would just try to turn Cam Newton into a pocket passer. That's what they would do. He's more of a pocket passer, though. Yeah. You're right, because he, yeah, I mean, I think Trubisky's a better athlete, at least on the edge or, or, or whatever at this point, and, you know, Cam's gotten hurt a lot. Trubisky's got hurt in some, but I'd get him out of that pocket. Okay. Is, is, I mean, we've, I'm telling you, this style of offense, imagine Kevin Stefanski, head coach Chicago Bears next year. This style that's what, that's of offense, what let's that not week. change the quarterback, we'll add somebody else to compete, but maybe this guy could actually, is, just could be in a much better offense that this guy athlete, Kirk Cousins, is making all sorts of plays down the field. Okay, and, uh, and he's got plenty of time, and he's not being harassed in a pocket. Um, oh, by the way, a terrible offensive line. At least the, the, the guards play. The right guard, uh, I think it's 69. He is awful. I, I watch these guys every week, and I would, I would hate to play. Personally, I would hate to play in the Chicago Bears offense. Give me the Vikings offense as a, court, as a quarterback every single time. Yeah, well, okay, but like the last here's, – here's what I've said about Trubisky for two or three years. And you know, at first it was like, oh, that's an overreaction, and now – so I've said he's Christian Ponder 2.0. He's mobile. He's first read. He gets nervous. He's not really a leader, and all those things are playing out. Who on the, says on the, he's not a leader? On the mount, look at him. He's I don't he's know a that he's not the, a he's leader. A deer in the headlights. I don't you, know that he's that no, is presumptuous. You cannot be a leader when you're that bad at your job. You can't. Mm. It's not possible. Who's following Mitch Trubisky in that locker room? Mm. Just like Christian Ponder, who's following a guy who cannot? Sage, can do you his be job? not so successful on the field and still be a leader in the locker room? Not that frontal. You can be a backup. You know how I know he's a good leader. You know how I know he's a good leader. If I was somehow in Chicago, like here's an example. Like Zach Miller is a, is a, the old tight end. He lives in Omaha near me. If somehow I hung out with Trubisky for a night and those guys and had a couple of beers, I could tell you after that if I feel like Trubisky was one of those guys that players would love to be with. Like, I think that's like seriously. There's like a thing there of guys that you'd like to hang out with. Those, those to me, always end up being like oh, pretty I'm good just, leaders. I'm just asking about Mackey's premise, that you can't be not so good at your job and be a leader in the locker room. Is that is that a true or false premise? I don't know. That's, that's a really – I'd have to think about that. Like, can you can, you, be, can, you you not can be, as long as it's not exposed. If you're a backup and no one knows that you're bad because you're a backup, then you can be a leader. But if you're out there for 16 games and throwing terrible passes, I'm sorry. Tim Tebow, great leader. Not a great quarterback. <laughs> All right, that's Boom. Fair. Okay, that's great leader. Josh Heupel was not a great quarterback. But he's really, really good stats, but like he could barely throw just corner routes. But their <laughs> offense was so different than whenever he had seen before, and they spread them all out. Uh, you know, he didn't even make it to the NFL. They got drafted in the sixth round and like didn't even make the team. But but people loved his leadership and his toughness and whatever. And Tebow had that too. Yeah, that's uh, Tebow is not some great thrower. You know what I mean? But you pass it to Percy Harvin in college. Imagine how good Percy Harvin was in college, right? And you know he had Aaron Hernandez as a tight end. He had the Pounceys. I mean, he had all this talent on that football team. And he was a, a an inspirational leader. I, I definitely think you can be a leader and not be great at your job. Right, yeah, Tim Tebow had everyone ready to run through a wall, and then they're all like lined up, ready for the play, and they're ready to kick some ass, and then just an end over end duck comes out of Throws his hand it at his fullback's feet. <laughs> Maybe this is Rami just trying to admit that to tell us tell all of us that he is a great leader. He can still be a great leader. Me even personally, though good, even though yeah, I'm even not though good not, at my job, oh, absolutely, oh, sorry, sorry, absolutely, both, both are true. <laughs> so local. Let's just go local. So, <laughs> so, so here, so here's my question off that though, because this is actually 
this is what I wanted to ask off the Mitch Trubisky thing. What are the things, when, when, when we talk about maximizing a quarterback's career and potential, what are the things that are teachable versus the things that are just non-negotiable, you either have them baked into your DNA or you don't, Sage? Well, I, I think the first thing is to really teach them a deep understanding of like the, the details of football. Like really and getting really into it with them, and the ability to have somebody go out and sort of execute based off of you know whatever knowledge you can give them, but just execute these these sort of precise reads with quality footwork, with timing. You know, t- I always say timing equals accuracy, and when you don't have timing, a lot of times you're a little bit late or the the, the guy's taking a little bit too much time, and it's sh- all that work you do in the off seasons for a reason, so you can basically drop back and let it go on one hitch or two hitches or, or whatever it might be. I see like Trubisky, he's constantly like sort of waiting on somebody or taking an, an extra hitch or something like that. So I design an offense to make the the job the, the life of the quarterback as easy as possible. That's my thing. I think this. Uh, this style of offense makes it as easy as you can make it on a quarterback because it's the hardest position. And that just sort of but doesn't that make the most sense that there's few, very few people that can actually do this job. So you make that, that job as easy as possible uh, um, so that, you know, you don't have to have a great quarterback to do it. I think the Vikings do that. Sage, one more for you. And it's the most important question I've ever asked you, sir. Mac and cheese on a Thanksgiving table or no? Um. Yes, but like it, but, but hold on, but it, oh yeah, I mean, I think you can do anything. You know, you can people do th- all sorts of Thanksgiving. I, you know, people eating Thai food on Thanksgiving. It doesn't, you know, it's like it's it's just everybody getting together and doing their thing. But mac and cheese. But you know, if you're gonna do it for Thanksgiving, it better not just be like that sort of Wednesday night mac and cheese. Oh no, it's like, not out of a box. No man, some, I'm putting well, not, in it. out of a, you can't your Wednesday night mac and cheese out of a box. How old are you? <laughs> I'm 40, I'm 40, Sage. Make some homemade mac and cheese. You know, ask your mom how she made it. No, I have a recipe. But then add something to it. Add some, like, bacon or add some lobster or, you know, whatever. It better be cheesy. And it better not dry up. That's another thing. You know, you can't have that dry up. Got to be baked but not dry, right? Well, yeah, I think so. I don't even think I have to bake it. I think you can put it in a big old saucepan and and have a big... uh, I like some breadcrumbs and Parmesan on top, Sage. Put it in the oven. Get a little brown on top and bubbly. Oh. Oh man, Talk I don't dirty. like the breadcrumbs, oh, buddy. Mm. No, anyway, Wait, you don't like the breadcrumbs? Oh, that's this conversation's so. over. All right, <laughs> that's uh, Sage Rosenfels, everybody. <laughs> this has been Sage Rosenfels. <laughs> All right, guys. All right, man. Thanks, Sage. All right, Omaha, everybody. Omaha. And you can find Sage Rosenfels every single Thursday at four thirty with us. I just want to clarify: I'm not a boxed mac and cheese guy. I feel like I was I misrepresented there. I didn't want to argue with Sage about Wait, this. What's wrong with boxed mac I and mean, cheese? Yeah. I get that you wouldn't use boxed I, mac and cheese for Thanksgiving. I always, what's wrong with I, it? I always have a box in my pantry just in case of emergency. If I need a quick dose of mac and cheese, it's there at the ready. Sounds but like you're knocking it. Anytime that that I can't that I plan on eating mac and cheese. I'm making it from scratch. It should be made. For, it's not even hard. That's you, the thing. You speak about having a box of mac and cheese as if you like have a you have a first aid kit. Yes. You have an, <laughs> yes. Is it an EpiPen? Yeah. And then you've got a box, of, box crap of mac macaroni and cheese. And cheese. Yes. <laughs> but I'm with it. Right, it sits right next to my fire extinguisher, if just in case I need it. If you're if you're like if mac and cheese is not a last second thing, if it's something you're planning on as part of your dinner, it should be homemade. It's not it's not hard to do at all. It's really not, and you're going to get a much better product. 
We'll have to, we have just a Rami's want, Recipes episode I just episode want to make sure up. I wasn't misrepresented. I feel like I was a little bit think, misrepresented. I don't think Kraft or Velveeta are advertising on this station anymore. Yeah. Nice, thanks, nice, thanks, nice thanks job chasing away, all the, you chased away all the so chain you, restaurants. Yeah, chain restaurants, the, I, Kraft, Velveeta. By the way, I then went Man, on to are. say all the chain restaurants are actually pretty good yeah. once we started going yeah, down right the list. So. <laughs> I'm still getting responses on that like three days later. It's amazing. Tweet us. At Phil Mackey, at Rami is tweeting. When we come back here... A uh, pretty well-known and respected NFL writer says eh, Vikings shouldn't re-sign Dalvin Cook, and he lists out reasons why. Let's uh, let's go through that when we come back here. And also, we're going to debut a new segment that we call "He Said What." Mackie and Jeb with Rami Scornorth Scornorth app. And uh, when I'm when I'm driving around, I'm listening to the Scornorth app on my Apple CarPlay or in my Apple CarPlay. I don't even know what the right vernacular is there, but I know that it's in my Rav Four that I got I from Luther Brookdale Toyota. Because you would say on the radio. In the car play? On the car play. See, this is, why, this is why I need Luther Brookdale Toyota, because I don't know explain any, this I don't know, I don't know the All vernacular. Right. I, don't know, I don't know cars, but I know that they know cars, and I know that they give me knowledge, or at least confidence, to, uh, to go forward in my life as a car driver, anyways. Uh, they help me in two different ways. They help me with the service department that I've been going to since I turned 16 years old in 2001. Um, they have helped... Me uh, also with trade-ins and leases and buying pre-owned vehicles. And that's uh, that's where I think Luther Brookdale Toyota stands out above all else. It's the people and the cars. You get some of the most durable vehicles in the world. There's a reason why 80% of Toyotas that were on the road 20 years ago are still on the road today. And then you get some of the most friendly, knowledgeable people in the industry. Again, it's 694 on Brooklyn Boulevard, LutherBrookdaleToyota.com. Mackie and Joe with Rami. I refuse to go to A, skinny jeans, or B, short shorts. Well, you know what? No, no one's asking you. you just so, yeah. TCL is a proud sponsor of the Score North Studios. TCL, America's fastest growing TV brand. One, two, three. It's Mackie and Judd with Rami. With Rami. Second down goal. Cook. The block by Rudolph and into the end zone for a Viking touchdown. Dalvin Cook. You look at Dalvin Cook's numbers so far this season. A pretty good thousand yards already through eleven games. The only running back with more yardage than Dalvin Cook is Christian McCaffrey. Uh, One thousand fifty nine yards for Christian McCaffrey. One thousand seventeen yards for Dalvin Cook. And this is also the uh, officially the most games. Well, actually, he played eleven games last year too. So if he plays against Seattle, if he doesn't like twist his ankle or something on bye week, he will set a new career high for games played. And he's also caught a career-high 45 passes for a career-high 455 yards, Rami. He's so good at football. Under, basically, uh, just a shade under 1,500 total yards from scrimmage, two-thirds of the way through the season, and uh, a total of 11 touchdowns. Dalvin Cook. Stud. Stud running back in the NFL right now. Yeah. But Bill Barnwell says it'd be smart to move on from him when that contract is up and find a, uh, a more cost-effective option. Okay. Do you want me to read out Bill Barnwell's case for why that might be? I think the first thought for most people is, come again? Okay. Well, he lays out the case for why Dalvin Cook is a very good running back, right? He spends about a paragraph laying out the case for why Dalvin Cook is a very good running back. Then two paragraphs about why basically none of that matters and you should let him walk and find a cheaper option. (laughs) Let me read you the two paragraphs. You can stop me anywhere along the way and take issue with them. Okay. After he lays out all the good stuff about Delvin Cook, he says, all of that is true. And yet, this is like when Judd says, and that's fantastic. And yet, 
There are so many red flags when it comes to signing Cook. The knee injury hasn't bothered him this season, but that ACL tear is ominous. He then missed five games in 2018 with hamstring issues. If he plays all 16 games in 2019, it will be his first full campaign as a pro. His breakout has come after moving to a Kubiak-Shanahan scheme and an offense that seems to turn every back it finds into a superstar. Indeed, both Cook and third-round pick Alexander Madison are averaging 4.8 yards per carry, although Madison has offered nothing as a receiver and has been less impressive by expected points metrics. In so many ways, this has been an outlier season from Cook, signing him this offseason off that outlier season in an incredibly back-friendly scheme could turn out to be just Mm. fine. I would expect Cook to stay productive as long as he stays healthy and the duo of Kubiak and offensive coordinator Kevin Stefanski remain in charge of the Vikings offense. History suggests the Vikings are likely better off going with less expensive options wow. and using the savings elsewhere, though. Okay, so obviously, I mean, and he has zero emotional attachment to this decision, unlike right. Vikings fans who've been watching this guy be the best running back in the NFL for my money this year. Yes. But just to clarify from what you can tell, is Bill Barnwell saying it's a bad idea to sign Dalvin Cook to a contract extension because Dalvin Cook is overrated? I or? think he's saying A, injury history. Okay, is one thing that makes him hesitate before that's, before signing him. That's a that's a fair thing to wonder about. And B, the fact that Kubiak's offensive system has has made a lot of guys look like superstars and probably made them look better than what they would be in other systems. Okay, which is fair. I mean, look back to Kubiak when he was the head coach of the Broncos, and every year there was a different guy throwing up Pro Bowl running back numbers. The scheme is very running back friendly. I'm not saying all of them were Dalvin Cook. He's done some special things this year. And he does the thing that's most impressive to me about Dalvin Cook is at yards after contact. I mean, he has been really, really hard to bring down. And there might be a lot of guys in this scheme who would be productive, but are probably getting tackled in some of the spots that Dalvin Cook is getting Absolutely. is not getting tackled and aren't quite as productive. And those yards add up. Those yards add I remember in the Chiefs game, he literally had 71 yards rushing, and all of them were after contact, meaning he never got to the line of scrimmage without a Chiefs defender getting getting their hands on yeah. him somehow. Not many running backs are doing that. The following week, he literally had more, more yards after catch than he even had receiving yards. That means he was catching the ball in the backfield most of the time and, and doing special things yeah. with the football. So I think I, I'm going to parse this apart in two ways, because if... On the premise that, well, Gary Kubiak schemes these running backs into big seasons. And you have to admit, Alexander Madison looks pretty good when he gets the ball in his hands. He does. He does. But let's get away. Bill Barnwell is an analytical, statistical-based writer of football. And he's wonderful, by the way. Really, really good. And he's been on Purple Daily before. He's really, really good. But he's not giving enough credit to how good Dalvin Cook is. Eye test matters here. And I get that Gary Kubiak schemes big seasons for running backs, and that's fair. But Dalvin Cook, eye test alone. If you just go through and watch NFL games, watch the way he moves, watch the way he avoids tackles, watch how he catches passes, he's smooth, he's just flat out one of the two or three best running backs in the NFL. And he's healthy this season, which matters more than him not being healthy two years ago. Uh, you know, the, the knee thing, that's a freak injury. It happens. So I, I wouldn't necessarily be super worried about well, Gary Kubiak is scheming and he's got an injury history. I would start this conversation by saying he's one of the two best running backs in the NFL, one of the three best running backs, and he's healthy right now. Therefore, 
I'm just going to expect that he's going to be healthy for the next couple of years. Do you need to have one of the two or three best running backs in the NFL to be a high-powered offense? Because you talk, you talk sometimes about Kirk Cousins, and you always say, I don't care how much money he makes. It's not my money, but it does matter in the sense of there's a salary cap, and you have to slice up the pie in a certain way, and with the amount of pie that Kirk Cousins is getting... Are you about to play the pie drop? Sorry, say that last sentence again. The amount of pie that Kirk Cousins is getting... The Rock knows how you feel about pie. He has to produce a certain level of of production. And the, the same has to be said about anybody on the roster. If, if you're giving top running back... If you're giving Ezekiel Elliott money to Dalvin Cook, is his... Does his production equal the slice of pie that he's getting in money? So that's the second part of this conversation that that I'd rather explore. Because I don't have any interest in downgrading Dalvin Cook's value because he's being schemed. Like his his value as a running back is as high as anyone in the NFL because he's that good. Okay. And I, your question I is I can agree with you on that. Your question is the real question, which is when you start to pay running backs and you start to pay them. That Ten, means, fifteen million dollars a year. That means you're spending less at offensive line. It means mm-hmm. you're spending less on defense. You already have your two high-paid wide receivers, so you're not going to yep. be spending any any less there. But you already have your quarterback, and if you're not paying him, you're going to be paying another quarterback. But there are areas on on the roster that you're going to have to make sacrifices if you're giving Zeke money to Dalvin Cook. And the six teams that pay the most money to running backs right now in the NFL. Are the Cowboys, Rams, Jets, Cardinals, Falcons, and Giants? And those teams are twenty-three and thirty-one. The best record of any of those teams is six and four. And again, I know there's way more that goes into it than just Rams, right? Rams and Cowboys are both six and four. Now I know it's not as simple as saying paid Devontae Freeman that kind of money. He's top six. They didn't pay him fifteen million dollars like like Zeke Elliott makes. Zeke Elliott makes fifteen. Todd Gurley makes fourteen point three. Le'Veon Bell with the Jets makes thirteen. David Johnson makes thirteen million dollars with the Cardinals. Um, Devontae Freeman. But David Johnson is a perfect example of. You say you don't want to talk about the injuries, but the the fact is, this guy has a lengthy injury. It doesn't just start with the Vikings. He had a messed up knee when mm-hmm. he was at Florida State. Well, let's, let's. David Johnson is a perfect illustration of what happens to your football team when you invest that kind of money in a running back. And then he's injured and not the same running back for two years. Yeah, and let's start with you know Zeke Elliott. The story will be told here. He that I, I want to wait. He's twenty four years old, so I want to wait till he's like twenty six, twenty seven. He's the same age as Dalvin Cook is right now. Todd Gurley, not the same dude, not at all. David Johnson, very clearly not the same dude. Devontae Freeman, not the same dude. Um, now you're getting into like like Saquon Barkley makes seven point seven off his rookie contract. Devontae Freeman makes eight point two in free agents, but but. The biggest albatross contract in recent Vikings history, not Kirk Cousins, not Christian Ponder. He was on a rookie deal. There's some bad contracts. It was Adrian Peterson. Adrian Peterson, relative to the rest of the running backs in the NFL, it was disproportionate. He was the highest paid running back by a lot of money. Mm-hmm. Uh, he was making $12, $13 million before running backs made that kind of money. And and I think the argument there would be, well, Dalvin Cook Dalvin Cook is a more versatile. You can use Dalvin Cook a lot more in the passing game, and so he's more valuable, I would argue, to this year's Vikings team than Adrian Peterson was for most of the Vikings teams he played for, even though Adrian Peterson is a surefire Hall of Famer, and Dalvin Cook would not be right now because he's in his third year. Sure. Um, The Adrian Peterson contract was a huge albatross because not only did they build their offense around a guy, regardless of what he made, that just wasn't able to carry an offense in the modern NFL, 
but they weren't able to get the extra defensive player or the extra left tackle or whatever it may be, right? The extra wide receiver to really fortify your quarterback situation. So we have a recent example in Vikings history of a running back contract affecting wins and losses and the rest of your roster makes. So that 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 wouldn't prevent me 100% from signing Dalvin Cook to an extension, but that would make me think more than, oh, he's being schemed up and got hurt a couple times. Like I think you have to consider all of it because when you, when you talk about the scheme, you're basically talking about the same thing that you're talking about right now, which is the cost of a replacement versus the production of a replacement. Mm-hmm. And the production of a replacement probably won't be Dalvin Cook, but based on the history of Kubiak's scheme and his system, it'll probably be pretty close at a much cheaper price. I think you do have to consider the history of this scheme and, and yeah. this system that Kubiak has put in place when talking about the production that you expect to get sure. should you move on from Dalvin Cook. But let's 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 even take health off the table for a second. I'm willing to do it's, that. It's so hard to determine one way or the other. It's it's literally a coin flip right now. Right. The guy that makes me the most nervous as a comp is only 27 years old. It's Le'Veon Bell. Now Le'Veon sat a year, and you could argue rust, and he plays for just a crappy team in the Terrible Jets football team. But Le'Veon Bell averages 3.2 yards per carry this year. Yeah. He just signed a huge contract. He's making have 13 seen- million dollars. The tape grinders say that Le'Veon Bell is a lot better than his average yards per carry. When you look at what he's working with, the amount of space that he's working with and lack thereof, that he's a lot better than his numbers might indicate, according to people sure. who grind the tape and know a lot more than me. But like you could say that, too. I mean, I'm sure you could say, well, Adrian Peterson at, at various times, too. And sometimes you just you get to 27, 28 years old and you just start to really And also, can you afford to pay Top dollar for an offensive line when you're paying Le'Veon Bell what you're paying him. Dude, one of the hardest things to do in sports is to sell high on somebody. Agreed. It is. It's just like you get you get so attached to it's going to be this way forever. Man, like what a great player that you have. And oftentimes when you make the decision on a contract extension in that moment, you're I mean, you're going to the grocery store hungry like or I mean, it's. Um, I've done that. It happens all the time. Oh man, yeah, dude, <laughs> it's the worst. I just walk. Actually, the best. What I just mean, walk up and down because I can't decide what I want. The frozen food aisle is amazing in 2019. You can't decide what you want. Just get everything. That's what I do. I I wind up spending 50 bucks more every single time. All right, money bags. I can't do that. Yeah, but literally, I will walk up and down the frozen food aisles for like. 15 20 minutes just try, just <laughs> trying to decide what I want and I'll have something in my cart and then I'm walking towards the register and there is inevitably something I want That was more. that was the Jets needing a running back. <laughs> exactly. There's a Le'Veon Bell, 13 exactly. million dollars. Right. So all right, so just like final verdict here before we get into he said what for the first time. Can't wait. And then the quarterback cesspool challenge. Yes or no right now, top dollar and by top dollar I mean like Todd Gurley, Zeke Elliott money, $14, $15 million. And it's got and you sign him until he's 28 years old. Dalvin Cook. He's 24 right now. So you basically guarantee a bunch of money until he's 28, top dollar. Can I put a qualifier on it? What's the qualifier? If I'm going to go cheaper at quarterback and move on from Kirk Cousins, I'll give Dalvin Cook that money. He can have that that big a slice of the pie. If I'm if I'm if I'm making the slice of pie for the quarterback smaller, the Rock knows how you feel about pie. That's my qualifier. I don't do that, it. 
that's with you knowing based off the conversation we had yesterday and that we had on Purple Daily that the quarterback pool seems to yes. be getting less talented. Yeah. I don't uh I don't do it if Kirk Cousins is still the quarterback too. I agree with you there. It's just too much money to put into it's too much money to put into two positions in it's, one backfield. It's more like I, I don't want to turn this into a Kirk Cousins rip session. It's it's too much money to put into a quarterback who doesn't carry you and a position that generally doesn't carry you. But in Dalvin Cook's case, he has carried a lot for the Vikings. But it's tough. My first my first gut reaction to this article was like that's ridiculous. Why would you? Of course, you would resign Dalvin Cook, but a lot of it depends on how much does he want. So, the Vikings had the same problem. Pearson, are right, you want to jump into a new segment here? Yes. So uh, I don't know. We, we 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 oftentimes you and I are on Twitter all the time. Judd's on Twitter all the time. We're constantly perusing through audio and sound bites, uh, and so like we we always have stuff that doesn't make the show. And sometimes it's just because, well, what do you do with it? Like, is it a segment? Is it a what is it? Is it a doesn't one-off? have a home? It doesn't have a place. Well, now it has a home. We made a home. We built a home for it. We don't have an intro for this yet, but we will for the next time. And we're just going to call this, He Said What? Love it. And let's start with this rugby player interview. Is there any context to this that you guys can provide? It's a rug- no it's idea. A, no idea. It's a no rugby clue. player being interviewed. <laughs> no clue whatsoever. I just came across it on Twitter this morning. It's amazing. It's- I wasn't hurting as much as the lads who were, who were out there, but I definitely felt it. And I know how, how hard the boys have taken that. Um be disappointed with the account that they that we put out but uh we got another week to to get back on the horse you know and take that horse to the water and you can ask that horse you can say hey horsey do you want do you want to have a drink or do you want to swim yeah and it's up to that horse to then realize what he wants to do in his life and that horse at the moment wants to go out on saturday he wants to clippity clop all the way to the stoop and he wants to say hello to those fans and he goes and he goes I'm sorry about the result last week but I'm going to give a better performance here at home against Bath he's a slightly Irish horse um, so we're looking forward to I can say getting back on that horse and are you looking forward to getting back on the horse six months since we last saw you I don't like horses I can't ride <laughs> He is a slightly Irish horse. He's going to clip any clock. Have you, have you ever started down the road with an analogy and then you realize real quickly, like, uh-oh, I don't know where this is going. Have you ever, have you ever like, found yourself in that situation? But when you, so, so, so when I watch, you watch the clip and you can see the guy's face, when you listen to it, it feels like, oh, he's just like, he's being funny. I don't know if he was being I think funny. He's serious. I think he's serious. When you watch the clip, he's being serious. Okay, so you guys are the journalist who's interviewing this guy. He says all that. Yeah. What's the first question you come back to him with? What do you follow up with? I don't even know. Like, how is a horse slightly Irish? Do you just say thanks and move on to the next guy? <laughs> that was that was amazing. That was a dude who, like I said, 
started down the road with an analogy, realized that it wasn't going anywhere, but was riding this damn thing out. He was not letting it go. He was going to find where that analogy was going and bring it home, damn it. And good for him. He did. Good for him. And then at the end, oh, I don't like horses. I don't ride <laughs> Well, that's what do you want to do, horsey? The whole thing is just magical. So that's that's a that's an athlete elaborating fully on what he thinks his team should do, and really opening up to the media. This next clip, not so much. This is Kawhi Leonard after last night's win by the Los Angeles Clippers, in which the crowd was going crazy. Yeah, Steve Ballmer was being his regular weird, crazy arm self, mm-hmm. celebrating, and a stone faced Kawhi Leonard. Just sort of rolled in. Well, he threw down a crazy monster dunk and then ran down to the other side of the court and blocked a three-pointer. And somebody asked him about that sequence of events. Why can you take us through the dunk you had in the block? Um, what do you want me to say? <laughs> Uh-oh. Whatever you want to say. It's just more of just the build-up leading to that play, what you were seeing and your thought process with everything. Um... Patrick threw me the ball. I took two dribbles to the paint and tried to jump high and dunk the basketball. (laughs) And Kimba got it open for a three, and I jumped my highest to try to contest, and I got a block. (laughs) (laughs) This, This is legitimately a case of me not knowing. Is Kawhi... Is he trying to be funny and play on the Kawhi caricature that's out there, or is he really a cyborg? I is think he he's truly, a cyborg. You think so? I think he's a, okay. <laughs> when other players are making the plays that you talk about, when he's huge rejection, it's a close game, you're Dude, playing that, Boston. That dunk he threw down was nasty. Yes, and most guys, when you throw down a dunk like that in a close game, and was that game on national TV last night? I, I think it was on NBA TV last think so. night. Yeah, it was. It was. Like most guys let out a primal scream or thump their chest or like run back down the court. <laughs> and he just like, with the same expression <laughs> that hasn't left his face since the pregame national anthem, just jogs back to the other end of the court. So you think that was him legitimately answering yes. that question in the way he thinks that we were looking for him to answer that question? I do. Yes. I will say this though. That question that he that he was asked, not even really a question, is a and I I'll I'll admit I I fall on this crutch sometimes. It's one of the laziest and worst questions that you can ask in a press conference the, setting. That take us through talk about oh talk about questions can, are the worst. Can you talk about that dunk and that that's what that's what threw him off. It didn't compute in his cyborg <laughs> brain. <laughs> he was like, "What would you like me to say?" Yeah. Alexa, <laughs> Alexa, talk about that dunk and the ensuing block. What would you like me to say about the dunk and ensuing block? Just walk us through it. I jumped high. I dunked basketball. I, I dribbled twice. I jump high again. I block basketball. I think Kawhi Leonard as like an in-home Alexa device would oh, be that would be great. A great marketing opportunity for the Los Angeles Clippers. You're welcome. Well, they do the voices for like the GPS systems. Yeah, you got to have Kawhi turn left. <laughs> I want Samuel L. Jackson. To, he does too. They have Samuel L. Jackson GPS voice thing. That would be. Um, I wonder if it curses at you. 
I would imagine it would. Turn left here, mother bleeper. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you can't have Samuel L. do it and not say that specific term. We need to make this happen. Uh, we should just have all of our liners from Matt Kinch up with Rami be Samuel L. Jackson, not safe for work liners. Uh, the quarterback cesspool challenge when we come oh, I got back. research to do. Mackie and Judd where with Rami. Yeah, where am I picking? Score North and the Score North app. We'll tell you. We'll tell you when we come back where you're picking. And before we get back and do this quarterback cesspool challenge. By the way, Rami, you pick second. Cool. You pick second. Thank you, sir. Uh, and I'm going to pick my first winner of the season. I have not won at all yet this season. It's going to be December, and uh, it's time to pick a crappy quarterback. <laughs> Call a new shot. Call my shot. Pointing out to the left this field fence. It's going to happen. Uh, what's on the TCL TV right now? Well, we're watching uh, we're watching a little sports center here where they're comparing Dak Prescott and Tom Brady because the Cowboys and uh-huh. the Patriots play each other this weekend. Going to guess that uh, no one in this room is ready to pick Dak Prescott or Tom Brady yet in the quarterback cesspool challenge, but we are getting down. We're getting down to that time of year where you might have to pick some good quarterbacks. TCL is America's fastest growing TV brand, and it's the official TV for watching sports here at Score North, whether it's the Purple on Sundays or the Wolves, Wild, and Twinks throughout the week. We love how TCL TVs make sports pop. The grass is greener. Golf is great to watch on these TCL TVs. You also get thousands and thousands of non-sports streaming channels as well. Netflix, Amazon Prime, Hulu, HBO Now, and more. TCL, America's fastest-growing TV brand, and inside every major local retailer here in the Twin Cities. Jonathan here with the Score North download. Make sure to download the Score North mobile app so you can register for listening rewards. This month, one lucky app user will win a $200 Visa gift card just for having the mobile app. All you have to do is download the app, register the app, and enter through listening rewards, and you can enter for your chance to win a $200 Visa gift card just for having the Score North mobile app. Stefan Diggs, as I said, last hour was on. Good morning, football. He was asked what was said at halftime to improve the team's performance when they were down 20 to nothing to the Broncos. Here's what he said. Uh, I would say uh, going into halftime, you know, it wasn't as pretty as people would like to think. Um, it was a lot of words being said, all encouraging words. Our coach, everybody knows him. He's a grouch, and that's, and that's our guy. But he went in with the right mindset of telling us that uh, we got to control what we can control. We didn't execute in the first half. We got a whole new half, whole new ball game, and, uh, you know, it was, it was the right pep talk. That's been your score north download. Now back to Mackie and Joe Dorami. It's hard being a quarterback in the NFL. We couldn't complete a pass. We sucked. Each week, Mackie, Judd, and Rami look for the worst of the worst quarterback performances. The interceptions. Intercepted! What is going on tonight? The strip sacks. And the ball's out again! And the Bills recovered again! The ineptitude. I mean, it's absolutely pitiful. It's the quarterback cesspool challenge on Score North. And that's the fifth interception today. That's right. This is the time of week where we attempt to pick the crappiest quarterbacks in the NFL and tap dance on the graves. (laughs) That's what we do here. Violent. That's right. They're actual graves. Sorry, Ryan Finley. We'll get to you in just a second. Uh, but here's how this works. We, every week, we uh, we pick who we think is going to be the poorest performing quarterbacks in the NFL. We can only pick each quarterback once, and we have to all pick different quarterbacks each week. Mm-hmm. 
and we take your punishment suggestions that we will rack up and we will start to distribute these will in we? the month of December. Yes, <laughs> I have a schedule started and it will start with sure, Rami guy. going to a play okay. at uh, Hopkins High School this, in December. I want other people to serve penalties either on the same day or before I serve mine. I'm, I'm not going to be duped. I'm not going to be duped into going to some high school musical and then I'm, oh, joke's on you, Robbie. You're the only one who's going to serve a penalty. No, no, you, you don't got a fool here. Two high school musicals. <laughs> <laughs> be great. The same day. <laughs> not going to play me for a fool. We so, need some penalties to start being served pronto. So, well, last week, last week, I thought Brandon Allen against... The Minnesota Vikings, right? That's just going to be a complete disaster at U.S. Bank Stadium. He actually put up the best QBR on a 1-100 to scale of any of our quarterbacks that we picked last week. Uh, was driving the Broncos back down the field, chance to win the game late. So uh, I rack up my second consecutive loss on the season. Rami, you picked Carson Wentz last week, and he was respectable. I did. He had an above-average QBR, 1-100 to scale. He had a 57.9 QBR. So you kind of failed there. Uh, Jonathan, you picked Mitch Trubisky, and it's always a good time to pick Mitch Trubisky, but he wasn't terrible. 45.4 QBR. And the winner, for the fourth time this season, picking the worst quarterback of the week, at least among our picks, Judd Zolgad went to the Ryan Finley well, and it paid off. For the second week in a row. A 17-10 to loss to the Oakland Raiders on the road. Ryan Finley, who took over for Andy Dalton two weeks ago, 13 of 31 for 115 yards. That's right. It took him 31 wow. passes wow. to get to 115 yards. Good God. And he completed just 41.9%. Dude, no touchdowns, football. one interception. <laughs> just quit. He did, however, average 15.7 yards per carry on his three carries, running for his life. <laughs> oh, my God. But congratulations. <laughs> To Judd Zolgad for correctly picking Ryan Finley as the worst quarterback this week. God almighty. <laughs> Finley. That's just Poor bad. Bengals, man. Like, the Bengals thought they had something going there for a couple of years. Get to the playoffs. Going toe-to-toe with the Steelers. Did you ever think that was real? I never, never thought that was real. But they, they thought it was real sure. is what I'm saying. Well, that's their fault. Yeah. Uh, did Judd submit a pick, by the way? Yep. He gave New me York? four okay. options. Okay. Because he picks last. Yep. So we'll go in uh, in reverse order of last week's standings. I will go first. Rami will go second. Then Jonathan, and then Judd Zolgad. And uh, I'm just like I'm struggling here because I keep trying to pick crappy quarterbacks against good teams, and I feel like I just keep missing. In the last couple weeks have been the two worst weeks of the year for me. I've yet to pick up a win this season. For a while, you didn't have a win or a loss. You were just middle of the pack, right in the middle. Yeah, but I gotta think the way the Broncos defense played against the Vikings in the first half last week. I got to think, and, and, the, and the bad taste in their mouth from blowing that game. I got to think the Broncos defense is going to step up against Josh okay, Allen and the Buffalo Bills. A little bit easier. You go little with, uh, bit easier. Allen for the second week in a row? I'm picking another Allen quarterback. That's right. Josh Allen against the Denver Broncos defense will be trash this was, coming week. He was on my list of candidates and probably the front runner, but neck and neck with a couple of other guys. And I don't want to give away the whole thing because there's still a pick. By somebody who's in this room, and I don't, I don't want to help them out. Oh, don't worry, you you're not. I'm not. Are you ironclad in your pick, Jonathan? Eh, pretty much. Would, yeah. would, would, would Rami blabbing with his research sway you at all? I don't want to be that. There's not always really. that guy at a fantasy draft. Not because I did my research before the show started, not just before the segment started. So I think I'm good. By it's, the way, give us Judd's full list when we're done. Yeah. 
There's always that dude at the fantasy draft who's blurting out information that's helpful to others. And you're like, dude, shut. Put a chicken wing in your mouth. Shut up. What are you doing? It's true. I'm trying not to be that guy. But, but then, if, there's, then there's the guy at the fantasy draft who's always like, I heard he got hurt yesterday. <laughs> <laughs> which one's if, worse? In, in which case, in this case, that would be good. <laughs> if Jonathan is locked in, I'm going to tell you. I'm going to tell you my thought process here. I don't think. I don't think I've shot my Jameis Winston bullet yet. Have I? Uh, you have uh, not. No. He's just. You got to re- check out the spreadsheet, man. It's easier this way. He's just really bad at football, and the Falcons' defense has actually been okay for the last three or four weeks, and and getting after some quarterbacks, but. Haven't haven't shot my Daniel Jones bullet yet either, and that Bears defense is that's due, they're due for a bounce back, right? Rookie quarterback, bad football team. I don't know. I feel like the Bears have reached the point of no return in their season, but the defense is still doing work. I know it's not as impressive. I understand that, but they're still doing some good work on the defensive side of the football and going against a rookie. I don't think he has a pick. I think he's just stalling and looking through the lineup. No, it's between those two. It's Jameis. Or Daniel Jones. I'm going Daniel Jones. Wow. I don't think my, and my Bears my Bears are going to come through. Oh, wow, the me. Homer pick here. For Picking the first his time Bears this defense. season. For right. the first time this season, they're going to come through for me. Okay. And right. uh, over to Jonathan Harrison, who, by the way, is the leader with six quarterback cesspool challenge wins so far this season. The wins totals go Jonathan six, Judd with four, Rami with one, and me with none. Well, just looking at Judd's list, my quarterback is... Are you cheating off his paper? No, 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 no. Oh. I had my options okay. already picked out. All right. He has the quarterback that I'm going to select as his fourth option. So I'm leaving him his first option. By the way, you don't have to leave him his first option. I don't have to, but I'm waiting to play that option until okay, later Okay, so season. you don't want to take this person. You're not no. doing this out of, out of like, chivalry. No, no, no. Okay, good. Chivalry. <laughs> good. What? Chivalry. <laughs> I'm going with an option that might be a little bit weird because he's somewhat of a decent quarterback sometimes. He plays for a team that was in the Super Bowl last year. Jared Goff is going up against the Ravens, who have held quarterbacks for the past three weeks below twenty QBRs, or twenty QBR, I believe, for the last three weeks. It's pretty good one research. of them was against Ryan Finley, so you know, take that for what it's worth. But the other one was against Deshaun Watson last week, who had no touchdown throws and six sacks. So I'm going to take Jared Goff, who's looked pretty average this season. All right. So that leaves Judd's first overall choice, Dwayne Haskins. Hmm. Yeah, there's never a bad week to pick Dwayne Haskins. It really is. Especially when he went at 8.8 against the Jets last week. Who's what? Dwayne Haskins playing? He is playing, give me one second. The Lions. Yes. Okay. Yeah, now I feel like I probably should have picked Dwayne Haskins. <laughs> <laughs> That's why I'm not good at the quarterback cesspool Little challenge, buyers I guess. Yeah. Little buyers remorse. I mean, Judd's not here. We could just cheat. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I can just move the audio around. And... <laughs> so there it is. That's this week's quarterback cesspool challenge. Mackie and Judd with Rami. It's our mission to uh, highlight and celebrate the bad quarterback play. They should be from celebrated. week to week in the NFL. They really should. <laughs> um, is that Pat on? Yeah. Uh, okay, you on cool. his full list, by the way? Yes. Oh yeah, that's Dwayne right. Haskins, Brandon Allen, Jameis Winston, and then Jared Goff. Okay. So you guys danced. We all danced around the pick that he would have. Mm-hmm. Uh, Patrick Royce, what's happening with you today? The great Freddie Cox has passed away. Yep. The, uh, the legendary Viking kicker from uh, the uh, early, early years. Uh, he 
passed away today. I believe he became a chiropractor out in Buffalo, right? Isn't he? Wasn't he out there? You? I don't know that, but I know that he invented the he invented the Nerf football. I hope yeah, he never he had to work the, again after inventing the Nerf football. He was the he was the inventor of uh, one of the guys who invented the Nerf ball. Yes, it is. Because I the joke was it kind of moved in the air like Freddie's kicks did, but they kept they stayed up there long enough to go through um, often enough for him to be one of the early heroes of the Vikings. So he didn't miss those game winners like uh, those old Packer kickers used to when the Vikings would, they'd get down the field to get down to about the twenty five and some Viking would block it and they beat him by two points in the butt here you know, back in the day. So yeah, he was uh, he was everybody loved Freddie so. It's, uh, it's too bad, but that that Viking group is getting in that age, you know. Yeah, hey Pat, on on Fred Cox, when did? Because I feel like the early days of kickers, you were always something else and a kicker. You kicking what? When did kicking become just yeah. a specialist position? Well, he was a fullback at the University of Pittsburgh, I believe. I think he was a fullback at the University of Pittsburgh. He never played with the Vikes, but uh, Lou Groza, you know, the legendary. Uh, Cleveland Browns was Lou the Toe Groza. That's a good nickname. He was an offensive tackle. You're right. Quite a few of them uh, did did play other positions. Uh, and Freddie at, in college, he had when he got to the NFL, uh, he was he was just a kicker. But I would say almost by the mid '60s, that was not that was not happening anymore. That that did not happen. Uh, you know, the Vikings were. Uh, you know, arriving about the time that the, uh, the that they were they were making enough money that they no longer had to have a, just have one of the fellas do the kick and they actually had. That. But Summerall, you know, he was an end. He was a Pat Summerall was an end and uh, and a kicker. So you're right. They, most of them did. But I'd say in mid '60s or so. I'm surprised nobody has tried that since. Like, why are we wasting a roster spot on a guy who just kicks? <laughs> I have other guys on the roster because. Who can kick. Because he decides, as a Bears fan, how could you possibly ask that question? Because then, Pat, everybody would <laughs> be bad decide, at kicking. It would level the playing field. That's what I'm going after here. They decide six or seven games a year, for God's sakes. Uh, it's, uh, and next to the quarterback, he's got a tendency to be the second most important person on the team as far as winning or losing games. Uh, you know, the, the Viking fan and a Bear fan should never question the importance of a, <laughs> a good kicker. I'll fair. That. That's fair. Hey, uh, did the Bears get rid of our guy yet, or are we going with Eddie again this week? I, I think it's still Eddie Pinero, by all indications, yeah. <laughs> I mean, Pat, at this point, what's the point of going through the whole rigmarole of bringing in new guys to audition for the job? You, you The season's over. Just ride it out with Eddie. Let's get this thing over with. Well, that's uh, that's that's probably true. So uh, the Derek Wetmore dream of getting Grandal got blown out of the water by yeah. uh, by about twenty five million dollars, right? It did, yeah. and uh, and we kind of agree here off the top of the show that the White Sox. This was a two team division for a while there, and it is now yeah. a three team division. And I think the White Sox are the number one challenger to the Twins because I think Cleveland's going backwards. Although it depends upon how many of their pitchers they retain. If they retain, if Kluber comes back and they retain all those starting pitchers, then they will be, uh, you know, then they will be a factor. But I think I put out my early predictions before this, and uh, now half of it was agitation, but not all of it. But I picked the White Sox first, the Twins second, and the Indians third, and then. I think uh, Kansas City fourth, and of course 
Detroit 14th. <laughs> so, uh, you know, so uh, I, I, I've been looking at those. If the Whiteys had not, what, they, they ended up with three Tommy Johns last year, right? Kopech and uh, and two other of their hot prospects ended up with Tommy John. Mm-hmm. Otherwise, they may have, you know, they would have been a 500 team anyway last year. Yeah, I think, uh, did Carlos uh, Radon also yeah, have right, surgery yeah, too? Right, yes. right, yeah. 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 Two, and then another kid who was like, he was uh, behind Kopech and Cease, but he was like their third best prospect. He had it too. So. Yeah. Uh, okay, so on the Twins front, our guy Doogie is saying, Zach Wheeler's camp wants five years, $84 million, and, and he would sign right now. So $17 million, $17 million wow. a year on a five-year contract. I thought he might uh, I thought he might go higher than that. I thought he might get I think I'd do that. Don't you? Yes. You give up a number one, but that's okay. What are you picking? they got to be selecting like 27th. But, but I believe you'd be giving up your, uh, your second-round pick in this case. Uh, I'd do it. Yeah, I would do it in a heartbeat. I you that you need you know that's cheaper than uh, that you're going to get out of that cheaper than I thought you would if you take that Doogie Hope Doogie Doogie usually you got a guy or two over there that usually gives him pretty good information so I I would uh, I would sign him. Well, Pat, between Grandal now and and Will Smith, that's two somewhat high ticket free agents that are already off the market. We're not even at the winter meetings yet. Do you think these players and their agents got the message that the contracts they're looking for are not going to be out there, and we're actually going to see winter signings this year? Well, are either of these guys a stars going? Because he'll never get that message. <laughs> Scott has always been away till uh, he can squeeze every dollar out of them. So. Uh... I would think that uh, I think Jake Orizzi got the message as well as anybody, right? Uh, you know, I can either be sitting around three months, four months from now, trying to get a job or uh, make seventeen point eight million dollars. Uh, so, uh, you know, maybe that maybe that's happening. I, I don't know. I would, uh, you know, uh, you don't you don't have to get every nickel. I'd rather have a little job security than every nickel. Yeah, I would be. Uh, I would also be just getting the message out. While while I'm sure Garrett Cole is going to be a free agent still on March 10th, and all these Boris mm-hmm. clients. But if I'm if I'm yeah. a non Boris client, I'm getting the word out right now and said, "Hey, I can feed my kids and my family for 17 million dollars a year if you want to mm-hmm. sign early, and we can get this thing done before Christmas." Yeah, and I would think and now Wheeler of course pitched in the big ballpark there in New York too. But you know, there's certain pitchers who are not going to. Uh, you know, want to come here, uh, weather-wise, and just the money's not going to be quite as good. But I think a lot of guys, this still, even with all the home runs the Twins and everybody hit, you can, you know, if you pitch the ball, if you throw the ball and get them to hit it in the right places, it's still a fairly good-sized ballpark. And, I, you know, I'd rather pitch here than in Comiskey or whatever we call that damn stadium now, guaranteed, or, you know, someplace where the ball doesn't, you know, this, this ballpark, you can pitch in this ballpark. It's, uh, it's not that it's not that bad as far as giving up home runs, even though Twins made it small last year. Yeah, uh, I, I tried to convince Rami of this earlier in the show, and he wasn't going down the path uh, yet. But my guy, Pat, my guy, Andrew Wiggins, had a bad game last night and still put up twenty three, seven rebounds, three assists, and shot like forty two percent. Even though he went, I thought he was, I thought he was pretty good last night. Well, he went, he went there. two of thirteen from three and free throw line. Yeah, well, they. 
It was stupid, but uh, I mean, at the first quarter of that game was unbelievable that both Towns and Wiggins were sitting with two fouls. Uh, but considering Wiggins sat for, they they couldn't keep him from getting to the basket. Uh, yeah, he's going to miss threes. There's going to be, you know, he's going to be a thirty percent free throw three point shooter, I think. But uh, he's got to throw a few up just so he can get to the basket. But they had no chance. That's a pretty good defensive team. And they had no chance to keep them away from getting to the basket. But uh, it was interesting the way Denver played it. They had Gobert go out to the line to guard Towns. And, you know, when they played them two days earlier, they just basically let Carl shoot those things. And uh, they, uh, he's the guy that had the bad game last night. Yeah, he didn't really wake up till the fourth quarter. I think he only had four or six points going into the fourth. He had two shots in the first, in the first half. half. Yeah, he, he only played fifteen minutes, but he didn't. Uh, Gobert was banging him all over the court instead of letting him. He did that step back three has become his baby, though, hasn't it? He's uh, you know to see a guy that big, but it was uh, it was fun for me uh, as an old lover of the. Real long ball shooter, not these guys that are just throwing rocks in the general direction and praying to see this Bogdanovich. Whew. Get the, get him down there in the corner. By the time he shot the third one down yeah. in the corner, the crowd was groaning when the ball left his hand. <laughs> it was, you know, that's a, that's a guy can shoot there. And after really. and after last night, that's how Sixers fans are going to be with Ben Simmons, who hit his first ever <laughs> NBA three. I don't know if you guys saw I that. Didn't re- I didn't believe that. It's amazing. <laughs> it's, 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 I thought it was like his first. They said it was his first three, and I thought it was his first game winning three, not his first three. His first made three in the so NBA. So he's now got one more three in the NBA than Judd, right? Yes, that is correct. <laughs> that's, get, that's the horse game we should get, Judd and Ben. <laughs> Even R.J. Barrett, who was covering him at the time, was he, running down the court. You see him look Ben Simmons in the eyes and smile. Even he was happy for him at that point. Yeah. Well, it was, uh, it was a... Very odd looks uh, going on, That's, but I had no idea that he hadn't made one. Yeah, unbelievable, amazing. Well, uh, you know when they drafted him uh, first overall, right? Yeah, they did not know how much the game was going to change. Yeah, you know, they, you know, three years ago when they drafted him, that was a, you know, I, I like him as a player, but that was that was what you want. Yeah, See, I got a, I've been having a theory that. Hey, we got about 30 seconds for your theory okay. here, unless okay. you want to save it for tomorrow. Save it for tomorrow. Is James Harden the most unique player in NBA history? Let's, let's talk about that tomorrow. We'll save that. Yeah. That's good. Okay. All right, Pat. See ya. Let's uh, wrap it with Roycey here on Mackie and Jeb with Rami. Yeah, Ben Simmons, he's only taken 17 or 18 threes in his NBA career. That's sad in itself. And he still scores a bunch of points, so. True. Rare entity. I mean, Giannis doesn't have a three. He won an MVP. It, it, it can work. You can be a dominant, well-rounded player without a three-pointer. Yes. Just like Judd. Exactly. Mackie and Judd with Rami. Find our podcast on the Score North app, Apple, or Spotify. We'll see you guys tomorrow. Right. I don't like horses. I can't ride.